selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to do we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash audioboom, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash audioboom. Winter, spring, summer, fall, seasons change, we still keep it together. Hey Beverly Hills 90210 fans, are you ready to dive deep? Episode by episode. Storyline by storyline, character by character, as we break down the making of your favorite zip code with your host, Charles Rose. Did I say that? Mary Mullen. This thing about the, the, the real person, and we go, what? We're getting rid of this guy. Pete Ferrero. I'm feeling wonderful. <laughs> Kathleen looks crush, TV crushworthy. Like so many special guests. And all your questions. Live on the Beverly Hills 90210 Show. Oh, yeah. Okay, here we are back on the Beverly Hills 90210 Show. And it is really awesome to be here, man. Um, Charles, uh, it's been a couple of weeks since we've been here, maybe even longer for you. I think you've been a few weeks off. What's been going on in the world of Charles Rosen these days? Well, let's start out, you know, I was thinking as I was looking at the, all the montages that uh, there was Jessica Klein, and yesterday was Jessica Klein's birthday, and she had a really nice birthday. She posted on Facebook with her daughter and good friends, and uh, I want to just wish her a happy birthday. Always want to wish Jessica a happy yeah, birthday, yeah. good health, and all of that stuff. We're always thinking about her here, so. I was on the uh, beach today with our friend Larry Mullen and the dogs. The dogs did well. Larry will give you a full report, I'm sure, at some point. <laughs> I'm sure we're uh, going to be back with Larry. It was surprisingly good. We were having a good time. It was very windy. Um, Venice politics never stops. And I've been writing uh, a, a treatment uh, called Safe House, which is about uh, treatment of women in the Middle East, really. So oh, this is great. A little, little out of my wheelhouse, but it keeps me out of trouble. Yeah, for sure. Um, that's great, man. That's really cool to hear. Baseball is also back. We talked about on the on the watch yesterday. How yeah. how is uh, how is baseball feeling feeling for you, the Dodgers, so far? Can't come back quick enough, given how the Lakers are playing. <laughs> uh, basketball is going to be over real soon. And, yeah. Uh, although there also is for the 
you know, L.A. sports has always been a college town with SC and UCLA, and UCLA's dominance is basketball, and this is tournament week. So people who are into college basketball, this is their time as well. And that used to be Larry and I, but less so, you know, at this point. Uh, the Mets have made the Mets have made some the, the Mets have made some great signings. You guys haven't signed anybody yet, no, so we just keep well. Clayton Kershaw, we signed. That's true, and maybe Freddie Freeman. I think coming. Uh, I coming, sure hope so. But I understand you know, uh, Kenley Jansen will be available for somebody. So <laughs> that's always good to hear. Good. He yeah, good, good luck. Have 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 fun with him. Some other team that's not the Dodgers. Uh, okay, let's play an ad. We'll come back and start this show. Well, okay. well, well. When was the last time you checked out the Beverly Hills 90210 Show Shop? Because now it's loaded with so much more stuff. Did you ever want to join the gang at CU? Because now you can wear your official CU T-shirt. Or want to get into the fun with America's zip codes? Represent with this cool swag. Or maybe you have an invite to the Peach Pit After Dark and need the coolest shirt ever. We have loaded the store with so much more. So don't be a squeeze. Head over to Beverly Hills 90210showshop.com for all the latest goods. All right, and look who is with us right now. Billy Sly Williams, Devo, from uh, this episode of Ashes to Ashes. How you been, man? I've been great. It's an honor and a pleasure to be here with both of you, Peter and uh, Charles, but Chuck. Yeah. Hey, is it a little bit, is it hard to hear him, Chuck? Are you having a hard time hearing him? A little bit, a little bit. Yeah. You're a little little low right now for some reason, uh, Billy. Let's see if I can... If I can do something maybe on this end. Is there a mic or something? Do you got a mic over there? Um, or are you just are you speaking in the computer? Yeah. I'm just speaking into a phone. Um, well, you can put the phone to your... Uh, let me rewrite. You know? <laughs> I, can, I can hear you because I got he- I just put my headphones on. Yeah, it's hard to right, it's hard we'll to hear okay. you, but just speak. We'll, we'll repeat stuff. We'll... Yeah, speak loud if you can so okay. that we... Yeah, Is that, <laughs> that we... better? That's so much yes, better. Yeah, that yeah. Is better. Getting a little okay. closer in the. For me. Uh, yes. Um, so, Ch- Chuck, let's go back. We're talking ashes to ashes, season two. This is episode nine. Um, we talked on yesterday on the watch along, and you were talking about um, you guys were looking for things to do. You know, now you're going to be around for a while. The show, right? So, talk to me about uh, bringing in the Ashes well, family. I and, think yeah. that Billy would know this, and uh, and and anybody who would be tracking nine hundred two and zero at this point is that when the show came out in nineteen ninety, um, the fact that we did not have a character of color in our cast—not just a brother or a sister, but just anybody—we um, uh, uh, were out of step. We were out of favor, which pretty much is what television in the 80s were, which is somber casts um, spe- uh, speckled, you know, with different different people. The You know, uh, certainly Hill Street was one that, that, that put, for dramas, put that on the map. You know, um, with drama, I was thinking about Billy, you know, uh, it'd be interesting to hear you talk about it because, you know, we're talking about Brut, we're talking about, how was race depicted in broadcast era of television? You know, when you go back here, we were doing what we were doing in the nineties, but 
basically, uh, and, and it's hard to even communicate this as I'm starting to speak about it, how much Roots just broke through and was like nothing that had ever been before. And it almost was that after the Roots, it was so overpowering. And I'm talking about one. I know they did a sequel again, but I'm really talking about the first part. It was so overwhelming. And then there was the second part that it was almost like, well, we don't have to do anything more now. <laughs> exactly. In, in terms of carrying the ball. The spectrum. Done. Moving on. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Because it was a huge hit. And the mm -hmm. 80s, you know, was a, it was a little different. I mean, the fact is, is that, or that the, you know, uh, you know, Reagan was not uh, a, a big advocate of, of civil rights. Uh, he, he, he wasn't a, he wasn't a, uh, a speaker at the NAACP conventions. So, we, uh, you know, so it was a different time. So we get to this point and here we are on Fox. And, and I, it's not that I had a chip on my, my shoulder about this, but it was an itch I had to scratch. I, being myself is someone, and, and Billy, we've never talked about this, but, and a few people in the show might know this, but, you know, being my age uh, is that I saw the seven, the, the uh, civil rights movie uh, movement unfurl on television. I'm going to just interrupt you, Chuck, real quick, because we have a special surprise guest joining us as well. Ah. Mr. Hey, Eugene. Eugene Bird. <laughs> yeah, let's turn the whole turn around because there's no episode called Ashes to Ashes without Eugene Bird. That is for sure. Right. Uh, see How are you guys, man? It's good to see everybody. It's good to see you, man. Likewise. Eugene, it's awesome to see you. It's, um, it's good to see you, bro. Man, it's been forever, Billy. It's been forever. Yes, sir. Now, did you guys ever work together after this? No, did your paths cross? We did. What was it? we did? We did. We did. Uh, I believe it was like voice work. Yes. Okay. Voice, voice work. work. Yes. And yes. and of course, I've been watching Eugene over the years. Just you know, come on, Eight Mile. Uh, well, <laughs> He's just been working. And I'm so proud. Look at one of the one of the things I was just talking to Pete about because I did the you know the the uh oh. We're going to be on the air. I better go through all the IMDb. Let's do this. What was our rating number? What were we? You know, and all the stuff right. to prepare for this. And all of, and yourself, Billy, and then Eugene, and then everyone else who was in the main cast, um, Richard Roundtree, Tina Lifford, Vivica Fox, you have all, I mean, we knocked it out of the park in casting this because, you, you know, all of you have had 30-year careers. Mm -hmm. And more with the case of Richard Roundtree, you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely, I mean, definitely been lucky. I've been blessed. Uh, you know, when I auditioned for you guys, I thought I was not getting the job. I know you because you never talked about this. I, I auditioned, and I remember it was dead silent after I finished my audition. Everybody, they were like, "Okay, thank you for coming in." Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Carver. I was like, "Yeah, that's not gonna go my way." Next week, as soon as I got away, they were like, so anyway, they want to give you the job. And I was like, oh! <laughs> oh okay. Well, you know what? I know how my, my good friend Paul Wagner must have been thinking. Because he knew that I wanted to try to get a, you know, a, a, a cast together that that would be considered for as a, as a you know, as a backdoor pilot during, during this time. Excuse me, I always have right. to do this. Um, it's a signature of the... The signature of the podcast, Chuck gets uh, a call. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
But um, you were saying that you wanted to maybe spin this off or, or something. So so I think that I can think of my Paul going, oh, oh now we found him. Now we're in trouble. Now, now we're going to have to do this. We're going to have to do what Rosen wants to do. Oh, um, my God. You know, Billy, do you remember do you, do you remember auditioning for it, Billy? Are you kidding? Of course. I had literally, it's like my whole career, I wanted to be an actor doing drama. So I get to California. I book nothing but nothing but sitcoms. And I'm like, uh, that's cool, but what about drama? <laughs> so when I auditioned for this, I was like, finally, a drama. And I was all excited. And I was like, wow, it's the number one hot show. Are you kidding me? And it was about police brutality. When I read the script, I was like, oh, I'm in. They'll have me. Woo, we'll have some fun. And when I got the job, I was excited. When I saw Eugene, Tina, Richard Roundtree, the legendary Richard Roundtree. Yeah. And then Vivica Fox was my neighbor. I lived in 417. She lived in 117. You know, I forgot that. I did forget that. You, you yeah. guys did. That's right. Yeah, we, we, it, where, like, where? What part of the world? In, in, where? In, uh, we in live, Rachel, we, we live in Hollywood. In Hollywood. In Hollywood. It, was a, it was a new complex put up at the time. And like the rent was amazing. The area wasn't the greatest, but it was great once you got inside. <laughs> <laughs> And literally in that building, you know, a bunch of actors lived and Vivica would cook on the weekends. You know, she's just an amazing person. Very talented, but very, very humble. and just very cool, you know? Very stunning. A bunch of real actors who are real people and humble. Everybody just loved to do the craft, you know? Nobody was into anything else. Vivica's very stunning in this episode as well. Oh, my God. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, re I remember having to kiss her, but I knew mm -hmm. her boyfriend. So it oh, was good. just so weird for me because I was like, but I can't disrespect him. <laughs> and I know Chuck was looking at and me. I like, but the oh. script says I just have to, so I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't really want to. But, yeah, yeah. It's such a hard job for you, Billy. R-E-S-P-C-T. She's beautiful. You have the creative right to do this. The next time she cooked, it must have been a weird conversation with all, all of you hanging I, I never went back to the meals. I, I never went back. Now, now, Eugene, you were living in Philadelphia, right? Uh, you were still... Yeah, yeah, at that time, at that time I was. That's right, because that was one of the issues. The idea being that, and rightly so, you know, I couldn't guarantee you anything but, a, a, you know, a, a number of, you know, like a, a, at this, out of that, you know, not, not that much. It's more recurring, as it were, and... You know, you're, you have good parents, and they went, no, we're not changing. I'll let them do this acting thing, but we are not changing our school, our life, and that for that, which is you know, my mother know, was, was my mother's right very, decision. Very much know? into education and getting those things done, not yeah. me. And, um, but it just ended up working out that I was able to do it. And, uh, hmm. and what a great experience. I, I want to ask you guys both, and we'll start with Eugene about Richard Roundtree because Chuck mentioned him, and he's, you know, got such an incredible history of acting and whatnot and a career when you guys are you were you guys aware of who he was at the time when you walked in mm -hmm. you're a kid so i don't know you know what i mean at the time but what what, what what was it like walking in and seeing richard roundtree on set Shaft is my father that that's that's all i thought that's like, it buddy. that's, that's great yeah and you know i'll tell you something i'll tell you in the into that it was I think it was the casting when, when when Luke Perry found out that Richard Roundtree was going to be walking our stages, he or the sets, you know, just 
he, I think I gained, I gained some points in his eyes. I needed the cash shaft. I I needed it to get, you know, my stars in alignment here uh, because it was a major thing. And I looked at his credit list today, you know, and again, it starts so far back in the 70s with Shaft, but it's not his first credit. You know what his first credit was? As the world turns. All right. It always starts there. Right. One soap opera and then he Shaft, you know, I think that's just. I did not know. Now that I did yeah, you know. But Eugene, I mean, so it was cool. Was he cool with you? Did you guys talk at all? I mean, you were playing his son and all that. Like, do you, do you have a, a experience with him like that? I had a great experience with him. He, you know, him and Tina. Uh, I mean, the, the, the whole family. You know, Tina uh, Lifford, the mom. Yeah, Tina Lifford was fantastic. Uh, they just yeah. both treated me honestly like I was their son. Like, Richard gave me great advice. He was just telling me, hey, man. As you go through this life, brother, you know, you got to you gotta make sure things go a certain way. It's about longevity. Let me tell you that right now. And I was just like, man, Shaft is giving me advice. <laughs> I was thinking about it at the time. And my brother was, my brother called me. He's like, yo, man, you hanging out with Shaft? My brother's older. Than me. So he was completely. Yeah, we were calling him back and saying, I'm, I'm talking about Shaft. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what about for you, Billy? Did you get to interact with him at all? Um, of course. Are you kidding me? It's like for me. Shaft was the first African American dark skinned sex symbol I mean, and superhero, like and superhero. So, right. mm-hmm. so he represented a part of the black community yeah. that you didn't get to see that much. You know, it was never, you know, yeah, okay, that's the guy who's going to jail, that's the guy who was the drug dealer. You never get to see somebody in the realm of being a sex symbol. <laughs> so, right. for me. He's a legend. He's a living legend. It was an honor to work with him. And when when I was doing the scene, I was like, "Oh my God, I'm trying to date Shash daughter, and he's mad at me." He's <laughs> <laughs> gonna bust a cap on you. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> but he was such a, a consummate professional, and again, always offered advice and was just very humble to be a walking living legend. It was just an honor to be there. Yeah. I couldn't believe it. Interestingly, I want to ask you both about this. This this show, you know, is what thirty years ago. I mean, right? Probably. Uh, wow, I guess so. More yes. than thirty now. Thirty one. Thirty one years ago, maybe around thirty. Thirty one years. I mean, and it's sad that we're still talking about a lot of the same things. Um, but it was innovative, maybe at the time, to to sort of tackle something like this. For both of you, when you saw the script, Eugene, when you saw the script, what did you think about this? I thought it was interesting that we were going to do it. We were going to talk about it. Uh, I didn't know how we were going to talk about it, film it. Because, you know, you always see something on the page, and then it's not what we film, or it's not what the editor does. But I thought it was great that they decided to keep it as is. And... Uh, that it had such a response. Uh, I, I, I I remember after that episode aired the next day, I had to go on a trip with my, I had to go on a like, school trip with my friends. And we went to the school and these girls were looking over at me. And, I, and then all of a sudden I was like, oh God, I think they recognize me. But I thought of some, something else and some girl was crying. I was like, what are you crying about? She's like, oh, were you in the episode Ashes to Ashes that was on last night? I was like, oh, yeah, but Quiet. 300 kids mobbed me. Wow. Where was this? In LA or Philadelphia? Philly. Where were you? At the art museum or something? <laughs> no, no. I was at a the school. Barnes? I was at a school. school. Other classmates. 
And that's when I realized how immensely popular 90210 was at that time. Like, right. rock star energy when it came to that show. It's but, so hard to connect that. I was right? just you, did it. You did the show, right? It's so hard to connect that this is a huge show. You're just working. You're on set. You're with all these people. And then you come back to, to school and everybody's making a, a scene. That's great. W what about for you, Billy? Oh, for me, when I when I read this script, I couldn't believe, you know, I had just come off of Fox doing Martin as a sitcom. And right. when I came off of Fox doing another Fox show with a drama, I got to say, Judy Ann Mason, may she rest in peace, Amazing writer, wrote Sister Act 2. When I sat down with her and we dove into this character, I was just honored to play it, you know? And I've never seen a show like 90210 hit head on the issue of police brutality the way it did. I mean, we literally, I mean, Cosby talked about it, a different world talked about it, but 90210. I mean, well, to me, uh, you know, I, uh, if I remember correctly, what she wrote that was just amazing. The whole point when I was talking to Priestley, Jason Priestley, this happens every day in the hood. This is not a big deal. This is only unique and special because somebody captured it on home video camera. Right. That's the only thing that made it special. And here we are. That was early 90s. Let's come to 2022. Back then it was freeze. They catch you, you get a beat down. Now it's pop pow. You get shot and die, and then you hear freeze. Literally. It's an interesting place in time, too, because, yes, the camera caught Rodney King getting beat up, but it was before he got acquitted. And went through the next... The, the policeman got acquitted, excuse me. And uh, But I'm so happy, Billy, that you brought up Judy Ann Mason. Just yeah. like, with, as I said about Eugene... Um, there's no episode here without Judy Ann. Um, I, I always felt that I was capable for a lot of reasons of doing anything having to do with race relations. Um, as I, uh, said to my lawyer, you know, Matt Johnson is Eugene. I just, he was my lawyer for many years. You might know him, Billy. And I basically said to him at one point, no, I only look Jewish. You know, that's, <laughs> The, you know, I had made a documentary about a blues singer for her to be able to get a master's degree. I had taken African-American history in prep school in 1969. Uh, my father and I, my father was very liberal. And the only thing we ever really argued about was the Black Panther Party. Mm. So we, you know, I had a different, you know, a, a point of view. And yet I was reticent to take, and I'd written been pilots and movies of the week and all sorts of things, but I was reticent at this point to do a this kind of family and make it natural, both to have the, a, a, an, an aspiring successful family and at the same time, um, the, for lack of a better way to describe it, a, a young man in the working poor, having the two connections. I remember so well uh, being a student at Berkeley in the, in the 70s and, and one of the places I cover, ended up covering was the city of Oakland. And so, uh, ironic, there I was just talking about the pictures, and there I am, I'm covering the, the city at least. But the, um, you know, it was, was, and I remember very clearly people saying, well, you can, you can integrate races. You can't integrate, as the, using that word, like, classes. It's very hard to do that. 
And it's very interesting right now. Eugene, are you in LA? Or are you still back? Are you back here? I'm in LA. I'm in LA. I'm working. Yeah. So right now, you know, there's a real issue. I'm I'm actually pretty involved with it here in Venice, and isn't have really thought a lot about affordable housing. And mm. um, you know, we don't have enough. <laughs> Ergo, there's a lot of people who are hurting, a lot of people on the streets. So you think about what you're going to do with it, and yet part of it is, you know, let's build more density. Let's you know take the other, uh, you know, away uh, in in effect the the you know the residential quality the neighborhood quality and reduce the uh barrier between classes and mm. you're seeing the resistance to that you know um, you know in but and even though i have a lot of different questions about a lot of different things relative to how our our uh, money having to go after homelessness has been squandered nonetheless um this is not something that bothers me, but I know it does, you know, that, that difficulty. And so we got to show that a little bit yeah. here. That yes. dad didn't like, you know, that. And and you see it, you know, in general, if we could have done a Hispanic-themed one, you would have had everybody be the same, except yeah. you would have probably been an immigrant and he would have had the business. So you'd, you'd have that extra dynamic maybe, you know. Well, I want what to... I, what I learned about everything was... You know, it covered police brutality, but no, it also covered household issues. Forget what the nationality is, because Richard Roundtree had a daughter that fell for a kid from the hood, and you cannot prevent that. So he took and moved her out of the hood into Beverly Hills, far away from that kid in the hood. What did that kid do? Borrow a guy's car. He worked at a Tamale Heaven, drove into Beverly Hills, and saw her anyway. So it touched upon issues of Children are going to find a way to do what they want to do. And parents, you got to find a way to deal with it. You know, yeah. I loved it. It covered so many, so many. I didn't, even, I didn't even think about that part of it. Oh, big time. Well, you, you know, do people. know, you do know that we had to make it. And I think it was one of the smart things that we did story-wise. Is to make it that the um, perpetrators of the violence was a private security firm and not the police. Right. That way I was taking the onus off of that. Right. Kind of relationship, and the and but the notion too in some of these situations is guys who really, uh, you know, yeah. have some issues where they are doing those early. They mm -hmm. weren't really verified uh, today. It, probably not as well. You've seen so much. It was clever. It was a clever way to touch upon the issue and not say LAPD, but we all understood. It. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> right, the issues are still the same. The same right. issues of just race. Well, actually, I'm gonna say they're worse, Eugene. The issues are worse. Well, yeah. I mean, I agree with that. I mean, it's just, I mean, are you talking about, I'm talking about. Uh, not not necessarily in our city. In that, in that episode, it's the fact is, is that it didn't matter if they were cops or not. Right. It's just a matter that they, they made an no. assignment. Let's and watch the scene. The other thing. Chuck, I want to watch the, thing, I, want, oh, I was going to play the scene. I was going to play the scene uh, that we're, no we're that we're kind of talking the about. One thing I do want to say is, is with Eugene though, right before you get to it, that, that moment where he really put... Are you going to show the scene with him and Jason? I'm about to show this. I'm going to show that scene, but I'm also about to show... Okay, then the I'll let that scene play. I'm not going to say All right, that. this is the scene I was going to show. Quirky would be the dog, too. Right. Looking for Queen Elizabeth. Hey! Hold it! like animals, kid? 
Well, I can take them or leave them, but uh, I work this tamale stand, so they must smell the meat, you know? Yeah, where are you going so fast, huh? I'm going to see my girlfriend. What's her address? She lives on Hillcrest Drive. I don't know the exact address, but her name is Ash. You better call BHPD, have them come and check out our friend here. Well, give me a break. What you gonna do? Are you gonna arrest me for walking on a public street? Just in the bag. Yoke. Gas inside. Well, check it out. Hey, 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 get your hands off me, man! Uh, you responsible for all those burglaries, my man? What burglaries, man? Look, I ain't done nothing! Shut up! Yeah. Uh, good, st- wow. good, good stuff, um, Billy. Um, do you remember shooting that scene? And it, it was, was there sort of a walkthrough of how this was going to play out and whatnot? I mean, really, Chuck set everything up, and everything was on the page. Everything was right there. All you had to do was deliver it, and it was the most amazing. Like, for actors, it's very rare that what you need is on the page. (laughs) Everything was right there. Judy killed it. Chuck killed it. And when I saw the one tall officer who I had to look up to, it was perfect. And then the other guy was kind of muscular. And I was like, hey, man, grab me for real. Let's do this. Let's, let's, Let's get it in. And when we did it, it just all flowed so naturally because these were real issues. And we all felt it. And we all lent what we had as actors to really make America feel it. We wanted to put it right in your face and make you feel it. And Chuck, you did a great job at doing that. Mm. Uh, let's watch the other scene, Chuck. This is what I think you were talking about with yeah. Eugene and Jason. Yeah, this, this one. I hey, Bob. Look all over for you, man. You want tech class. Came in a little late this morning. Hey, listen, uh, so maybe you could help me out. You look a little different, Eugene. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to say that. You're still <laughs> a young man. Yeah. What's his name? Look, man, I thought we were going to forget about that. And pretend nothing happened? Sounds like a plan to me. Robbie, I need to interview this guy. And I, I'd like it if you could tell me how I can get in touch with him. Now, come on, Brandon. Why are you going to make this thing worse than it is? My parents are steamed up enough. You know that. Yeah, I know, but the truth is, this isn't about your parents. This is about breaking a news story. If you want to be our new staff photographer, I suggest you find a way to help me out here. Wow. You put it that way. I strongly suggest you find yourself a new photographer. Hey, come on, man. What's your problem? My problem is you, man. You are a user, and I'm sick of it. You plainly used me to get to my sister. That's not true. Yes, it is. Use every opportunity you can find to make me painfully aware Then when you look at me, you don't see the new kid on the block. You see the new black kid on the block. And I hate to tell you this, but in my eyes, that doesn't make you a whole hell of a lot different than those dudes at the security patrol. Really? Yeah, I remember that. What was that, Eugene? I missed it. What did you say? It all came flooding back to me. I even remember, I was like, oh yeah, you know, go find yourself a new staff. I was like, oh God, wow. Oh, you remembered the lines too. <laughs> the lines as, as, as it went. I was like, "Oh wow, that's crazy." But I mean, listen. How old were you when you shot when you when you guys did this episode? I want to say it was fifteen. You were minor, so Eugene, weren't you? Yeah, yeah. You may I, have been an emancipated minor, but I, I think you were minor. No, I was. I definitely was emancipated, but I was. I was fifteen. I think I was like fifteen, sixteen. Yeah, but exactly. I mean, this is some heavy stuff um, that you're doing at fifteen. The work is incredible. I appreciate uh, it. What do you remember about doing that with Jason? Just how giving Jason was, and that Jason was down to just let it rip. 
And, you know, and I told him, I was like, look, I'm going to go at you. I'm just going to let it go. And he was like, do it, do it. And he came up to me and, and, and you know, after it was over and was just like, man, that was, that was hard, man. I really, really liked what you did there. Same thing with Luke <laughs> who came up to me later. It, it was, it yeah, was. I kept, throwing, I, kept, I kept throwing Jason into these plots, these interracial plots. <laughs> that the boy from Vancouver, Canada, was not ready for. He wasn't, but boy, was he? Was he? Because he's like, hey man, you know, it's. <laughs> yeah, it's not me. It's the words on the page. You know. Yeah. <laughs> um. Did you guys have an expect? You you said before Eugene that nine hundred two and oh, you realized after the day after that it was a huge show. Um, did you, Billy, when you walked to set, realize like, were you a fan of the show? Were you aware of the show? Was it something that was on your radar? Did you know it was a huge thing? I, I was. I knew it was the best show on television. That's what I knew, and I knew it was a drama. <laughs> so I was dying to do it, and literally, I watched the show. I mean, because the writing was great, the actors, everybody killed it. I knew it was the biggest thing. It was the biggest hit at that time, and it was an honor to be there. I just remember going to set saying, I want to make sure I lift these words off the page and take it to a higher level. That was yeah, but really, did you really grasp the magnitude of where it was in its popularity at that I moment? Mean, I mean, we both I thought moved. I did. No. I thought, and then the day after, like That's said, what I'm saying. It's like, it what came at me. Right. I was like, whoa. <laughs> Even when I watched the news segment right after the show, I was like, whoa. Yeah, well, we right to the Rodney King stuff. It was just amazing. We were <laughs> we were on fire at this point. I mean, because yes. we had just done the summer episodes, mm -hmm. and we we had come back, and I think this was one of the the first few episodes that we had, and there was a lot of. Um, you know, there was a lot of interest in our show at that point. Media interest, new new fans finding it. Um, you know, uh, it was it was, it was a, to me. It's a it, it it was a it was an interest. Pete knows that I uh, <clears throat> I feel I was hired to do social episodes and to do kind of an old style of television, which was not serialized. So the first two seasons weren't serialized, so they were more in what I had done in the 80s. <laughs> What'd you do in the 80s, Grandpa? Well, uh, this is, you know, what we were doing. And uh, that kind of storytelling. So it's e So I really enjoyed creatively the first two seasons. Not that, not that all, all, every one of them really brought satisfactions in other ways, but just in terms of the kind of self-contained stories and pushing them through that way, even if it was a little, even if it was networky, well, I grew up in the network world, so that's that's what I knew. Um, Eugene, and for both of you guys, do you did you feel that this show and this episode got you more work after this after this aired? Was there people that had seen it and said, you know, we're, we want to bring them on? You, or are you not even aware of that? Thinking now, uh, for me, it was you know there was there was uh, a new level. I think of respect in some ways because no one ever seen me play a role like that yet at that time. They'd uh, only see you do comedy. And is that they'd it? see me do Cosby. I mean, no, oh, Cosby was, I, I did Cosby at that time. Yeah, I did Cosby right before. Mm -hmm. other things, but nothing, nothing where I got the show. Well, I did a, a, a movie called Perfect Harmony when I was a kid. When I was you, you, you did like, you did Sesame Street too and stuff like that, right? Sesame Street for like, 
years with Donald Faison and you know. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. yeah. yeah it was Love that. I got a I got a two year old uh, granddaughter who's just basically in love and and lives for Elmo. So I'm I'm right there with Sesame Street. That's the Elmo years too, Chuck. I think that's you were in the Elmo years, right, Eugene? Oh yeah, I was definitely I was when Elmo started to to do this. So yeah, you know, I, I remember because I've seen I miss the Rocco moments like that's now become huge on the internet when he was fighting with a rock. I wish. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, but so no, I mean, so you you felt and do you get that done Cosby before or was it around the same time? I'm always confused by that. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to remember. Well, your resume said it was a little bit before. Okay, yeah. so it was yeah, yeah. But, I was yeah. I got to ask you because you're just telling me that you know I, when I was with Larry Mullen, we were in the desert together. We did a one of our podcasts from down there, Pete. Remember? Yes. Um, we, uh, uh, we 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 binge watched the documentary by uh, you know W. Camu Bell, and I, I wondered if you either of you guys had seen it. And what you have any response? Picking you since you worked with the man. I, you know, I saw the first episode. I haven't gotten back to the to the rest of it, but it's it's amazing that in a way you have to separate um who he was as a man it's so interesting because i can't i can't speak yeah, well, yeah that's why he made the movie yeah, it's, because it's, it, a very, it's a very complicated it thing sure must be. It, it is and it must be yeah he gave me he gave me which he did for a few people he gave them like chances he gave them opportunities to expand and uh be better but while also not being better in other ways himself so it's always so hard to look at that. And I still want to see it. Uh, and I hear it's amazing from people who've also worked on Cosby. It's just, it's just difficult. Well, it's that first one that you saw, have you seen any of these, Billy? Have you watched this at all? It's on Showtime? No. I you should see it, Billy. It's, it's called. No, uh, check it out. Just interesting. We need to talk about Cosby. You need to watch what's, it. What's it called? We need to talk about Cosby. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, yeah. well ironically, you know, like for me, Pete and Chuck, once I did 90210, it just, I had done nothing but sitcoms. Cosby was my first show, and I did it twice, <laughs> literally back to back. And um, again, at that time, if you're black, you only had about five shows. I did three of the top five shows in New York, and it was time to come out here. There's nothing left. So when I got out here, after I did Martin, things started to change. But once I did 90210, it opened up the door for drama for me. And well, whole career just took off in a whole different dramatic way. But it was always, uh, you know, now it's such a renaissance for the amount of choice and the amount of opportunities and the subject matters. <clears throat> but back then, I know my calling card script that I wrote in the 70s was mm. called The Fierce Dreams of Jackie Watson. It was about a kid who, who dealt pot and a woman who tried to help him. It was written by a black journalist for The Village Voice. And they said the only way that I could get, um, uh, you know, it made is if I made the protagonist woman a white. And and yet, oddly enough, ten years later, the movie is made. We got a rewrite on it as an NBC TV movie, and they go forward. I had two choices. I had if if um, uh, if Felisa Rashad said no, that's basically going to be it. Mm. Unfortunately. Yeah, wasn't it? Because there also was Alfie Woodard. 
who was doing staying elsewhere and she said yes so the movie got made and uh, it was a good thing i don't know if you guys have ever worked with her but i, I worked she played her mother once she played your mother <laughs> another, uh, another iconic legend and i gotta say chuck honestly man you know it's people like you people like joe silver if it wasn't for guys like you who went against the girl yeah. Black people would still be playing pimps, drug dealers. I mean, so I thank you from the bottom of my heart because well, we kept it alive during this period for all you the great artists that you're working now. You know, I um, as I say, there's just so much choice and and so many interesting going. You know that that uh, you know whether it be Shonda Rhimes, whether it be Ava DuVernay, whether it be the um, that terrific actor who was in Moonlight. Forget my senior moment, but you know, yes. and that whole Herschel or yeah, yeah. Ali Mash, I guess that, yeah. that whole just the whole crew. There's so much good material out there that just wasn't you guys. It wasn't you know, it wasn't available. It well, nobody was writing. Nobody was writing for us in a way. That's that, right. I told the story. And and I also I've told the story here. It's a different culture, but the same thing was with Latinos. So. Um, I, I wrote a very ethnically oriented episode in the first season. And because of that, I got invited to go to the Imagine Awards. And I saw Jimmy Smith begging advertisers to invest because we have a growing market, you know? I mean, you know, market forces, these guys are about, uh, you know, how can uh, we make some coin here? And especially in that time. So that always becomes the motivation. And, you know, the, you know, that, that, Something like uh, insecure, you know. It, 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 there's an audience for it, and and uh, and you see that, you know, certainly with the premium cables, with HBO and Showtime. There's yeah. a lot of stuff going the on. Thing is that there's, stuff. There's, there's there's an audience for it all, but the problem is, it, it's hard to get people to to put it on, to write it, to you know, the fact that we even have Abbott Elementary, and it's doing so well as a as a new comedy, and it's different. You know, yeah, I like it. I like hard, it. It's just hard to get stuff still made to this day uh, without really. Well, that would be true from this point. It would be true even without a kind of uh, uh, an ethnic coloration somehow. It's just hard to get stuff done now. It doesn't make any sense anymore. And the, but now you, know? you add that to the to the table. And I mean, I was going to ask you about you are a young kid actor, and now you're. You know, you've been acting and you've been in so many amazing things. And for you, too, as well, Billy, have you seen some sort of change? I'll let Billy answer that. You know, starting back in 89, like I said, I was in New York City. I did, it was like five TV shows. I did, I did Cosby, True Blue, and Kojak. The other two shows didn't have black people on it. And I'm like... Literally, if I didn't come to California, I wouldn't have done all that I have done. So I saw a change when I got to California. I mean, I looked up, I got roles as musicians on things like Father Dowling. I, I did a, a just an array of amazing dramas and everything opened up as time went on. And now, just like Chuck said, you know, you just, there's a plethora. It's like, wow. And even as a person who's now creating content, you know, you have so many ways, so many choices. And again, it's about relationships. You know, like I work with Martin Lawrence now and I love, I'm just a big fan. You know what I mean? Working Do you work with Martin Lawrence? Oh, yes. 
Yes. He does. I wonder, I mean, we don't know the answer now, but I wonder if if he'll remember that I actually, after we talked on the phone, because I invited him to do the show. No, no, you want to know. I wanted him to do the, the uh, Burt Reynolds part. Oh, wow. and, uh, oh, very cool. Yeah. yeah. I will definitely and, uh, and he was very flattered, why, as he said no, but he was, said he was flattered. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, 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 had a, he had a whole lot of options, and people kind of just, you know, they were lying. Well, he was on the, it was like the first year of Martin, so it's just mm -hmm. like, well, come on, you know, let's start, you know, meshing with the rest of the right. network and things, stop being so exactly. isolated in spelling world. But exactly. Well, I mean, for Martin, I've always said, this is great, but the minute he leaves this, he's gonna take off and film and never look back. I knew that. I worked with him, and I, I was blessed to just have an episode where I played a record executive. It was called mm -hmm. um, Martin. I want to sing with the young lady who was part of Brownstone, Nisi Gilbert, yeah. and um, it was just an amazing episode that was written for me by Jackie Edwards Kofer, another amazing writer. And um, to be on screen for 18 minutes on a half-hour show with my living legend was just a dream come true. But he is honestly the most humble, most Christian, amazing, given person I've ever, ever worked with. With him, he wanted you to bring your best. Everything was right there, and when you brought your best, he wanted you to shine. He wanted you to bring your A game. I work with so many other people that I won't even name that you all respect, that literally, if Robin Williams was the lead of this guy's film, he was like, hey, Bill, uh, yeah, you know, if you could just tone things down, you're shining a bit much, and I was like, you know, it's probably better for you to get someone else because I was unaware that I was shining. I'm just doing what I love to do, and that's what I felt. So I want you to be happy. You can you can keep the money, just get somebody else, you know, mm. because it's all good. I don't want to offend you. No harm, no foul. And I walked off that set. How dare you tell me to not come here and act? That's what I came here for. Martin Lawrence is the only person that's ever allowed me to be me and shine. He threw stuff on me that wasn't on the page. I threw stuff back, and we had fun. That's what acting is all about. But he's the only person that allowed me to be Really? Here. And you're only. the only time? Only time in my whole career. Man, I... Every wow, other job you do has been for me to make another person look like. <laughs> How about you, Eugene? Do you have that experience, or do you have a different experience? You know, I've... You know, I, the, the, thing, the thing is, has always been for me about longevity. Uh, Michael Beach, who's a really good friend of mine, uh, always taught me that there is, you could be a star. You could if you wanted to. He said, but it's all about longevity and constantly pushing yourself to get better as an actor and to find the material that makes you want to be happy, that makes you happy, that makes you, that challenges you, that stresses you to tell a story that you want to tell. And so I think for me, it, it's when we say, has it gotten, has there, has I've seen it open up? Has, in some ways, yes. And in other ways, I, I still think we still have a long way to go. Um, but I think we're getting there. It's just, you know, it, it's, it's a, it's a step-by-step -step process. Uh, I've enjoyed everybody I've worked with. I've, I've, I've luckily had a career where I've worked with legends and uh, people who I find to be amazing human beings, like like working with Billy when we did that, Tina, <laughs> Richard, you know, Vivica, like everybody that I've passed and seen and worked with have all left their marks on me. And I've tried to pass that on to other actors when I worked with them. 
Because mm. um, it's all about paying it forward. It's all about, you know, that's why I'm shocked that Billy said that. I, 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 I can't imagine somebody telling you that, Billy, only because you should never, no one should ever tell you to stop. <laughs> no one now, now I want to know who said it. <laughs> I've never had. I'm luckily I have never had somebody because I would that would piss me off too because I'm like you don't watch legendary really director. That's a legendary director. legendary director. And my thing is, I respect his stylistic way of shooting. His style is I have one star and that's who shines. I'm not mad at that. I just didn't realize that what I was doing was going to get in the way of that. And I honestly didn't want to get in the way of this process. I was never mad. Yeah, but I I the the only guy I could see that would tell you to do less is the, the first name that comes to my mind. Yeah. And, you know, I'm sorry if I maligned this person, but it was Oliver Stone. Seems like someone who would tell an actor to do less. <laughs> it wasn't Oliver. Okay, it wasn't Oliver Stone. It's not a bad guess, though, right? You just it's funny, though. Guess. That's, not a bad, that's not a bad call, though. <laughs> you know, but like, see, all come on, more hints from... now. More hints. <laughs> I was turning into a game. Out this person. Yeah, let's out him. Well, yeah. well, you know, all I take away from it is people like you, Chuck, is what I live for. That's who I want to work with. People who who are daring enough to speak upon issues of the heart and not see color, but see great issues to hit, and who are not limited. You know, like your writing. Some of the best work I've ever done in my entire career. I want more of that. Has it changed? I, I agree. With, he put it eloquently. I've seen a little change, but we need a lot more Charles Rosens in the world in order to make a change. And it just hasn't happened. Nice. Well, that's very kind to say. It's nice. I know about three people left in the business, so we'll call them. A good friend of mine is Joel Silver. And he also, when you look at the diehards, you know, when you, I'm sorry, the Lethal Weapons, that role that Danny Glover played was a, written for a white guy. Joel right. changed it. He'll constantly put a woman in for a man's role. And Hollywood hates everybody who goes against that grain because everything is one way. So you, Chuck, uh, Joel. Well, Sonny, they've made, hasn't the Academy made just open themselves up? I mean, I mean, I don't know. You know, we have the Academy Awards coming up, right? Sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, it's going to be another year where a movie, and this is not a knocking because I saw the power of the dog and I understand the power of the movie, but on an, you know, I always more responded. It was the, it was a, it was the Oscars. It was the Academy Awards and it was about movies, not films. And it's been, it, it you know, they, they keep going to very obscure winners. And then they wonder, why is everybody much more focused in the streaming and to, um, mm. you know, limited series and series? I mean, it's, you know, you, you, you're not promoting your, your, your stuff too much. Um, it's, it's really funny how now TV is now the gold, it's the golden era. Right. Unbelievable. TV is where the prestige where the, 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 the material is, where the shows that you go, oh, my God, I got to watch that. Euphoria, I was, yeah. you know, different stuff like that. And then with movies, and I haven't seen The Power of Dog. I can't speak on it, but it it, it also didn't interest me. Like I, I, I looked at, it, I was That's like, eh, I don't know if I want to see that. It's, it has nothing to do whether it's a good movie or a bad movie. I, I really like. I, I don't know if you guys like musicals. I I really like Tick Tick Boom. I thought that was really, you know, 
Man, I'm I'm, I'm going to be terrible. I fell asleep. You didn't see that. Andrew <laughs> Garfield put it out there. That was by um, Lin Manuel. You know. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah, really, really seriously directed. Chuck, there is a question that's coming up about uh, something that happens in the episode. Uh, people are asking about Kelly's line that him dating that that Brandon going on a date with um, Vivica's character is Trey Chick. Do you know what I'm talking about here? Trey Chic. Chic. Sorry. Yeah. He says it's cool. It's very cool, Brandon. Yeah, and people are feeling like, what was? Why was that line uh, written in there? Here, I'll, I'll give you the question. The only thing that kind of rubbed me the wrong way about the episode is when Brandon brought Vivica's character meet everybody at the Peach Pit, and Kelly told him it was Trey Chic that he was with her. Well, what is what does that mean? Well, okay, what does it mean? It means that she's projecting the the values of the fact that the fact that this is together, you're doing this to be a hipster and you're not doing this because you actually like the person. So that's why it would rub you the wrong way. Show you that somebody in Beverly Hills might honestly be shallow. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Even one of your series regulars? Right. <laughs> Sorry, it rubs you the wrong way, but you know, I mean, I, you I, got pretty there's, no, there's no star idolatry on a Rosen uh, 90210 episode. Sorry. <laughs> there was a moment I was like, yeah, that's going to hit somebody. <laughs> yeah, exactly. On, I mean, exactly. But that's what makes the show so real. Come on. We all know people who think it's cool to have a black friend that's chic. Of course at that time. Or famous friend. I wouldn't even be surprised if that's happening still today. You know what I mean? With some of these younger influencers. It's absolutely happening today. I mean, it's just an evolution. Probably more and more because you want to for Instagram. Make sure that there are no no (laughs) boundaries. So look, I have no boundaries. Yeah. You know, on any on every level. And well, and, and and now with social media, everybody has a platform to show off and be who they want to be, right? So, or who they want to appear to be, for sure. That's more likely. <laughs> I want to ask you both uh, a question and give you guys an opportunity. And I've never really asked this on the show before, but were there people in your career that you that really made an impact and saw you uh, early on in a way that you, that say you, that really gave you a chance or really gave you an opportunity? Um, from an acting perspective, where you were like, that, "Thank you for that." Uh, a mentor or somebody who was who was who who would that be for you, Eugene? Uh, there's a few actually. Uh, Moses Gunn, Cleavon oh Lee, Moses Gunn, huh? Cleavon Little, uh, Michael Beach. Um, they 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 at different points gave me the confidence to know that. Um, I have to, I, like I said earlier, have to pay it forward. That um, to be in this in this career, I have to take things seriously. I have to be professional. Um, I have to constantly strive to enhance the black experience and not to limit it. And so, yeah, those three uh, always come to mind, especially Cleveland Little and Moses Gunn. Because they told me when I was a kid that, to trust my instincts. And to- Cleavon Little, just hearing that name excites me. You know, Blazing um, <laughs> Saddles have been, no- you know, there's certain times you you just realize there was never a movie like that before that. You know, and, I, and, I don't, and it hasn't been a movie like that since. No, not, no. not so not much. Not right. never. Have you guys yeah. ever seen the movie what? Putney Swope? No. 
Putney Swope. Oh, gentlemen, gentlemen, go see the. I just, you can see it I too, but these two must see Putney Swope. It's a movie that was made in 1969. It's an independent movie about what would happen if a brother would take over a uh, a large um, Madison Avenue um, advertising company. Oh, I got it. Swope. It's an independent movie. All right, but I want to, before I let Billy answer that question, um, see the wave wants to know Eugene. How did you meet Cleavon Little? To go I, a movie, I did a movie called uh, Perfect Harmony. Um, it was him, Peter Scolari. So many, so many, so many men have passed. So many people have passed for that. Peter yeah, Scolari. so it was Darren McGavin, Peter Scolari, uh, Moses Gunn, Cleavon Little, and. Um, yeah, man. <laughs> that That's really cool. cool. But Billy, what, what, what about for you? Were there anybody that, that made a, a huge impact um, in, in a way? Yeah, I, I had, definitely had a few. And um, I would say first is Jackie Evans Cofer for all the shows that she's created and no auditions. You know, people make me offers. I'm honored because it's so hard for actors if you have to audition and my first film, I had seven callbacks, and it came down to it came down to Dave Chappelle, myself, and one other. And literally, I got it. It's like that whole process is nerve wracking. So when somebody offers me a role, I don't care about the money. I'm honored that someone loved my work enough to say I want to work with you. Mm. So Jackie Edmonds Cofer has done that a lot. Uh, uh, it's another. Let me see. Um, wow, Peter Wise. And um, Dan Garcia, also, of course, Martin Lawrence, uh, a guy named Paul D. Hanna. I, my mom passed away in 2012, and I did 17 films with him in two and a half years. That's my brother and friend. He knew I lost it because that was my heart. But he knew I would show up and do a job and be professional. He kept me working, and that's what got me through it. And I'd say one more person by the name of Stephen David Brooks, uh, amazing director, writer, producer, director. I met in India doing a movie. Uh, these people, big influences, and and again, all were like, "Hey, give me one take for me, and then give me that Billy Sly take." And what they meant by that was, "I want you to go shine, do what you feel, show me something I ain't even think of." And I'm just grateful for that. Uh, Chuck, you also are on that list. I mean, this was a, a pivotal moment for me. This 90210 Ashes Ashes episode. Well, it's nice to know that. Really, I I I mean that. I I didn't I didn't re I didn't, certainly didn't realize it. So I'm I'm glad, you know, that you were part of this. And I'm and again that you brought up Judy Ann, who really was, you know, we were collaborators on this. And I knew that it was a good thing because she could be authentic on the A story, where I could do the scenes where you interacted with nine hundred two and O cast. So I'm the person that did write. Kelly's line. Yeah, cool. Very cool, Brandon. Right. It wasn't uh, she. I think she said cool. When I saw my scenes, I loved it because I finally got to hit some drama the way I wanted to. And when I saw that scene that they just showed, I looked at you and I said, this kid is a star. 
So I'm proud of you, brother. Yes, exactly. I've been watching you. I'm so proud of you. That was it. That was it. Clearly. Uh, and I agree with that. Eugene, um, th your character is a photographer in this thing. And Chuck told us yesterday that he had thought that there would have been room for this character to be on 90210, right? I, I was hoping that was going to happen. Uh, but what the craziest part was is that our schedules started getting crazy. Like Vivica's schedule started getting crazy. Tina's, Richard's, mine, Billy's. So we all... I started hearing people like, well, we don't know if we can get the Well, back. that's right, because there wasn't the whole, the, the truth is, and, and this is the sad truth, um, you know, that not, not necessarily at your school in Philly or in, in the world you knew, Billy, but we did, we did not get a good rating on this, and they never talked about it again. So, it, so the idea that a family would be there, um, that wasn't going to be, but your character itself, Eugene, without the family, the family could be in the back. You would be actually in the school and you could be there with Andrea and stuff. This is a lot of stuff that that was was there. But again, it was, um, you know, not worth uh, going 3000 miles for at, at that point, given your your age, given all the opportunities that were going to be there for you. So I got a, I got a question for you, Chuck. Um, I was. I was told that we were going to do a few episodes and then do a spinoff called Baldwin High, whatever that zip code is. I did. I heard rumors about that too. A black version of 90210. Was that ever true? Baldwin High, Chuck. I never heard of Baldwin High itself. Uh, I, mean, I, mean, um, I mean, I'm sorry. It was called Baldwin Hills. Baldwin Hills. It was going to be a spinoff of 90210. Do you have any? Oh, if I would have done it, it would have been called Ladera. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> but but was there any plans like that? I mean, we talked a little bit about it yesterday. No, I, that you there wasn't. It, you know, unfortunately not. It was that we couldn't get, you know, the, the, the traction on, from this episode. It was much easier. You guys have been talking about comedy. And, you know, certainly um, the, 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 the how African-American black shows were defined in by the Fox was by In Living Color, even more than Martin. I think that was the show. The Wayans brothers were synonymous with what was going on at, at Fox at that at that point. You know, kind of the irreverence, the um, it, the outrageousness, and so we, you know, we're, we're we weren't you know a, a, a family drama that is a variation of a family drama we already know because we've seen it over here at the Zip Code. Um, you know it. it, it Today, sure, but not, and and oftentimes are, you know, uh, you know, look at, would there ever be something, what's that, what's the great, I really like, Dear White People? That's a, that's a fun, yeah, yeah, the show would have been on in 1993, right. Uh, it was very hip, Brandon, is what Kelly says, by the way, very, very hip, yes, thank you, Christina, for well, that. Well, let's understand something here, I'm going to go really pedantic now going to really go my English background at, at, at Berkeley is that what William uh, Norman Mailer wrote something called the white hipster in which he defined that a very part of the coolest thing you could be in the 50s late 40s growing was was to be black you that's what you wanted to be that's you to, so you know that it follows into that that she would say hip because that would be the right word to say hip or cool okay Not fair speak. enough no sheep 
Yeah, I'm sorry. No, yeah, I, I didn't feel comfortable even repeating the question because I didn't think it was the line in the show. Yeah. So no, my what my wife was a bigger no, 90210 fan. Judy write chic and I didn't write chic. So <laughs> <laughs> my wife was a bigger 90210 fan. Texted me and said, "That's very hip. Get it, get it right." <laughs> so okay. Your wife was like, "Hey, man, listen, let's 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 be real about what we're stop, talking." Stop. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> Um, everybody wants me to ask you about Eight Mile, Eugene. So they're they're popping that in the in the in the thing too here. So do you want to talk a little bit about doing that? Uh, it was at the time a dream come true at the time to work with Curtis Hansen. Uh, I got rest in yeah. too. Um, uh, worked with Eminem, who I thought was great. Uh, make friends with Makai, who I've known throughout the years. Anthony Mackie, who all like half these people have like exploded. Since 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 we did that, but it was a great experience, man. We were there for like six months in Detroit, cold, bitter, <laughs> just just as as so it, everything you felt in Eight Mile was kind of real. Nice, yeah, yeah. All right, I think this has been great, guys. Uh, I think we. Oh, I wanted to show one more uh, one more scene of Billy's here. Like your neighbor. Look at that earring, Bill. <laughs> Devo, right? Devo DeMars? Who wants to know? I'm Brandon Walsh. I'm a reporter for my school newspaper at West Beverly High. I live down the block from Cherise. I know what went down last night, man. I want to do an interview with you. With all due respects, you don't have a damn idea about what went down here last night. You got that? I did that to you, didn't I? Or oh, this? Oh, nah, man. You know, my mom's accidentally rolled over me with her rolled voice. Seriously, man. Security patrol jack you up or was it the city cops? Did you say jack you <laughs> You've been reading your spikely handbook. Hey, pal, you think you can drop the attitude long enough to tell me what happened? Why should I, man? Because it's an important story. What is, man? You tell me. Being in the wrong place at the wrong time or being in the wrong place at the wrong time with the wrong color. Do you think for one minute it would have been any different for you out there if I hadn't chased these guys off? Huh? It's not the same thing. Yes, it is, man. Wake up, all right? They don't want to welcome us to my kind in Beverly Hills. And you should not feel free to roam around these alleyways either. Yeah, but that doesn't make it right, does it? Of course it doesn't make it right, man. It makes it the kind of world that we live in today. I came down there and heard this guy on the radio talking about that Rodney Keenison. You know, the guy that got beat up by the LAPD. Yeah, I know who he is. Well, the amazing thing wasn't what happened, Blondie. Because, see, that happens every day down here. The amazing thing was the whole thing got peeped out by somebody's home video camera. Excuse me. Great stuff. I started to remember every lot of that, too. I'm like, oh, I remember all of that. Oh, that's, man. The Spike Lee handbook, yes. B Billy, do you remember doing that with Jason? Oh, yeah. And I was like, I was just adding things. I kept calling him Blondie. <laughs> I was like, just, just, to, and he was such a trooper, like Eugene said. He was like, no, man, bring it. He was always a trooper and ready to go. With it, you know. Well, one thing I think is really effective in the scene before this is when you actually see the uh, the the young men that you rescue yes. Brandon from. Yes. How young they are. Yes. And I know I did a ride along with the sheriff's department uh, doing a TV movie called Convictions about mm. witness protection. This was in the beginning. This was night. I'm writing in 1980. This is in the beginning. I had in my interviews 
with the DA. It was a guy's last day on the job. And he's saying to me, okay, you understand, these people are going to be wearing red and these people are going to be wearing blue and they're going to be fighting over rock and they'll be fighting over turf. And it was like, I'm taking notes, you know, because <laughs> who had said that before? Mm. So, but, but what I remember with the ride along with the sheriffs, more with the LAPD, it, it was interesting too, because the, the, the difference in terms of the mentalities of the two organizations, mm -hmm. the, uh, the name of the gang intervention group for the sheriffs was called Save Our Streets or Safer Streets, Save Our Streets, SOS. And the other one for the, <laughs> the LAPD was called Crash, like the movie. Um, something about, and, that, and SH stood for Street Hoodlums. You know, so mm. against you know uh, you know against so it was the different you know just, sure. this tone going after it but i remember with the sheriffs you know what we, what they did this was down around where washington high school would be guys you know in mm. around Hawthorne, you know around there is that they they went there as the junior high school was getting out and they go talk to the kids on their stingray bikes and things along that line mm. And, um, uh, you know, they were 14 years old, and that was the ones they were worried about pulling the triggers, of course, mm. in 19, excuse me, in 1980, 81. Yeah. Billy, see the, see the Wave wants to know, do you still have the peace earring? <laughs> hey, Steve, funny story. I was like 22, I think, and I didn't have a pierced ear. So, and the character was written with an earring. So literally, that earring was created. <laughs> wow! And I still have it. I still have it. You still, you still have it? Yes, I do. Uh, that's <laughs> really amazing. Hey, see if Jill knows the story about that earring. She might. Yeah, for sure. I'll find out. And also, if you talk compliment her, if you talk to her, reach out to her because those photographs that we saw were amazing. Oh, the pictures that you, Eugene's character they takes. You look like Richard Avedon. I'm telling you. Know, you know what's so crazy? I'm a photographer now. Are you really? I was going to ask you about that. Did you? Did you... I do photography. As, as Interesting. Well, I like your art behind your shoulder there too. Oh, that 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 is my uh, that's my grandfather's. That was my grandfather's. Oh, beautiful. Uh, Justina says Eugene was clearly meant for stardom. Why is beyond his years at the time? Such passion as delivery. Same with Billy. Unforgettable performances. That's very sweet. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I want to just. Uh, piggyback on that comment. Listen, I want to, you know, thank you, Chuck, for writing this episode. Uh, as a kid from New Jersey, I wasn't really exposed to this at the time, and it really made an impact in my life as a viewer. And hosting the show, you know, I get the opportunity to say that, and thank you for that. And to both of you, Eugene and Billy, thank you for the work that you did. You put your hearts into this, and it was really, really incredible that here we are 31 years later, whatever it is, and Unfortunately, we still live in really sad times and whatnot, and it is what it is. But I mean, what you did opened eyes, all three of you. And thank you for it, man. Keep open. Good to see you, gentlemen. Stay well, both of you. Take care, Billy. It's going man. Thank you guys so much. All right. Bye bye. Bye. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to do we just hit a million orders stage? 
Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash audioboom, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash audioboom. Let's talk about Medi-Cal. You have a choice and Molina makes it easy, especially when it comes to the care you need. So let's talk about you, about making your life easier, about extra help to manage your health. Let's talk about your needs now and for the future. Nobody knows Medi-Cal better than Molina. It starts with a phone call. Call 866-420-5330 or visit meetmolinaca.com. Let's talk today.